Welcome, it's On Mike with Jordan Rich, a podcast that celebrates conversation with creative people, and in some cases, very funny people. I am so grateful to have one of the funniest people on earth, in my humble opinion, join me. And he's one of our own, us being from Boston. He's a comedian so many other comics look up to. His name is Steve Sweeney. You've seen him in dozens of films, including There's Something About Mary, Next Stop Wonderland, Celtic Pride, Back to School, as well as national and local TV and radio programs. But it's on stage in a club or a theater where Steve still knocks it out of the park to this day. And not only is Steve a great storyteller, but he's a master mimic. Have to talk with Steve about the recent dust-up at the Academy Awards involving Will Smith and the infamous slap to Chris Rock. But we've got a lot of other important issues to discuss. So without any further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome not only a really funny person, but a lovely guy as well. Make way for Steve Sweeney, joining us on mic. First off, you are just one of our favorite people. And I say us, I mean so many people in the Boston area. I got to start off with the story of the decade, it seems. Chris Rock getting whacked at the Oscars. Let's begin there. As a comedian, you know you've been in the trenches and have faced hecklers and so forth. Have you ever seen anything like that on on TV or anything? Actually, it brought back a memory. I had a woman up in the North Shore throw a glass at me. It's, uh, well, you know, I kind of wish she slapped me. Somewhat tickets, but if, if I would have, it's now a few days later, so I can turn it into a little bit of comedy. I would go on stage and with a couple of Secret Service type guys. But uh, no, Will Smith's an asshole. Uh, you, you're very vulnerable when you're in front of a crowd. I don't think he would have, I know he wouldn't have done that if it was Joe Rogan or Steven Seagal on stage. It's just way beyond. Mm. Not only that, it's like, Whatever dignity the Oscars have left, I mean, all these people work so hard their whole careers and lives, and they're being celebrated. And then all anybody can think about is what Will Smith did. Right. And I, I don't quite buy the whole thing of t- defending his wife. And then he gets up there and he gives a speech and they give him a standing ovation. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, Jordan, if that happens around here, he would have definitely been brought out in handcuffs, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely way beyond the beyond. But a way to look at it a little more compassionately, now that I'm over my anger, is uh, he, Will Smith hurt himself more than he hurt anybody yeah. else. There's a bigger issue, of course, in terms of comedy and humor and what what you can say and expect to be either laughed at or laughed with or ignored, not attacked and shut down. What do you think? Exactly. And by the way, it is not a joke that I would have told. So I did Dan Ray's show the other night. You know, people were calling up about the disease that caused Will Smith's wife to have that situation. It's not about that. You know, it's about... Let's talk about one thing at a time. And as I said, it's not a joke I would have told, but it's way out of line. Now, there's other ways he could have handled it. They have a commercial break, you know, every 10 minutes in the Oscars. At that time, he could have pulled them aside. He could have he could have yelled something out even, you know, a, a verbal assault, if you will, or something. Right. Uh, there's a lot of ways he could have handled it, but that is way beyond the bounds. I think it's great that people are responding and talking about it, including people in show business like yourself, and I appreciate that very much. And also, you know, there are people out there, you know, morons and drunks, you know, they see, well, if Will Smith can do it, I can do it, you know, and I'm a big guy, you know, I can handle myself, but not 
in that situation, my job and my focus, biggest TV thing I did doing stand-up was Letterman. And so you're thinking, okay, i got to hit my mark. Now, a lot of people, you know, they're not in the business. A mark is a piece of tape on the floor that you're supposed to stand at so the light catches you. Now, the cameras, you know, don't worry about them, but you should be aware of where they are. Then you've got you know, five to six minutes to do your routine. You want to get this joke out the right way. The last thing you're thinking about is being attacked. You know, if I'm on, you know, if I'm out late some night and I'm on a street, okay, a little more awareness. So it's just, you know, Chris Rock is like, you know, he looks like he's about five, 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 six. Yeah, a diminutive well, fella. Yeah. Yeah, and Will Smith's like six, three, and he's, he did a movie called Ali. I mean, he looks like he knows how to handle himself. <laughs> but I, I was just thinking, you know, I, I've watched this tape so many times. I was wondering how out of control he was because as he walked towards uh, Chris Rock, he was walking. He wasn't running. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. There's something that we're not getting about this whole thing. He just To go from laughing and then like two seconds later, you know, being infuriated. It's. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering if did he have it in the back of his mind? If this guy says something, I'm going to attack him. You know, I don't know. It kind of looked like he was laughing, and then he looked over to his wife, who was not laughing, and that's when things happened for the worst. It's it's been it looked at like the Zabruder film at this point. We'll probably never know the true intent yeah. and reasoning. But enough about that. Let's talk about okay. you. Okay. Let's talk about you. I have been uh, a super duper fan and a, and a pal and follower of yours for a long time. And there's a couple of things I've always wondered about your mimicry, your ability to do accents and characters. Does that happen uh, when you're a little kid watching cartoons yeah. or watching the yeah. relatives or yeah, what? Yeah, that's what happened. I grew up in Charlestown. And, but, I, you know, I was always, uh, it was the neighborhood. You know, you do guys in the neighborhood and that would get you some attention. Me being the youngest of five, I always wanted attention. But then mm-hmm. television, I just thought, wow, this is fun just making, you know, kind of mimicking these guys on TV. And it was I mean, it was like real, like, I mean, this stuff is really old when I started, like Sherlock Holmes and <laughs> the real McCoys, Walter Brennan, yeah. Ed Sullivan. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, this is always fun, and it still is, and I still do it. It's kind of weird. I do it to myself, and then I put it in my act, but even if I wasn't getting paid to do it, I'd still be doing it, you know. Doing like McConnell, the Speaker of the, is he the House of the Senate? Uh, Senate Minority. I've... Senate Minority Leader Doug McConnell, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then Dr. Fauci. We weren't ready at that particular time for that particular <laughs> variant, you know. And I'm just watching TV and kind of, and Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, her eyes. She looks. She's had so much work that she looks like she's being stuck up you know, with a gun. Mm. She's got this startled look on her face. <laughs> I kind of, so I, but another thing that added to it, Jordan, is um, I saw Lily Tomlin do her one woman show and it was fantastic. And I was thinking, wow, how does she do that in a way? But the guy who really, uh, two guys that were kind of my heroes were Peter Sellers and also Jonathan Winters. Wow. But uh, yeah. yeah. Like, if you see Dr. Strangelove, each one of those characters, you know, it's hard, it's hard to believe that's the same guy doing them because they're so different and so
so detailed. And it's just kind of wonderful, you know, and the audience likes it. You know, and it's funny, a good friend of mine, Jim McHugh, who does observational humor, and he said, uh, you know, I want to I do characters. Show me how to do it. I said, Jim, <laughs> you want to start 40 years ago? And <laughs> The way you spend time crafting a joke—that's what I do. Doing characters. Yeah. Well, Steve, so you're, you you must have a you, you have an amazing ear for voice because you're able to mimic. You do about forty Boston regional accents. Yeah, incredible. You know, uh, I do my one man show. It's about growing up in Charlestown. And I guess in the show, I do like forty six characters, but. It, yeah. Not all of them are all well-formed characters. Some of them are just voices and just people and just a touch of, you know, people that you see. It's interesting. You've been in a lot of films, and, and you're from here, and you get it down pat. But it drives me crazy. I'm sure it does you, too, to see actors come into town and play Bostonians. Everybody, You know what the weird thing is? bothers me even when they're Bostonians and they do it. <laughs> It's weird. It's like Matt Damon and, and uh, what's his name, Ben Affleck. Yeah. It, it, it even sounds fake when they do it. Yeah, what was it, uh, um, the the one that Scorsese won the uh, best oh, the picture? Departed. Departed. I said, what happened to Matt Damon? First of all, he's in an apartment where the state house is behind him, which doesn't exist. We know that. But the fact is, he didn't sound like Matt Damon from Quint Cambridge. He sounded like Matt Damon from Pasadena. Putting on an accent. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, then you see it. You know, there's so many of these shows. I glanced at City on a Hill the other night. It always sounds like they're pushing it. it it's mm. weird. You, it's got to. It's got to just sort of be what it is. You know, I don't know how to explain it. Isn't it an attitude, though? The yeah, way, that's the way part you. Of it. it's yeah, an yeah. Yeah. Ray Donovan's another series about Boston and. Yeah, it's just kind of an attitude, you know. And I'll tell you, it's not just, like, don't pronounce the R's. It's also, like, you take a whole sentence and you and you, you sort of swallow it. Like, <laughs> did you eat? No, did you. Become G? No, Jew. <laughs> yes. Even something like, how are you doing? Hi, Dawn. You know, it just kind of swallows. You're right. How about right. this one? There, there's... Okay, so I grew up in Charlestown, and, and it's true in Southby and other places, too, is you never want to overdo anything. Like, everything is the same as everything else. So the example I'm going to give you is I was at Nick's Comedy Stop. I did a fantastic show. No, I was actually at the Gardens. I don't know what it was, but it was a really big thing. It was for Boston Strong or something. So I see this guy from Charlestown, and he says, uh, this is after I, you know, get off stage, 17,000 people, did great. And he said to me, and they asked the question and answered it, and he says, uh, what's new, nothing? And I said, <laughs> I just, <laughs> at a moment of my lifetime, while you were sitting in the audience, that's kind of new, and that's kind of something, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. You know, it's funny. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the hamlet of Randolph. South. I'm a South Shore bar pizza guy. I did speak like Randolph until I got into radio school. And one of the things I was thinking about, we say things here that nobody else would say. We don't say, I'm going to the Cape. I'm going down the Cape. We're going we, down the Cape. I mean, no, it's, you know, I have never analyzed that sentence, but... 
Wow. Yeah, down the case. And you don't have a heart attack, you take one. I, I always thought that was interesting. Oh, that's a good one. Wait a minute. Yeah. You take a heart attack. Very he took good. a heart attack. My my uh, uncle took a heart attack. Um, he, how about this one? Yeah, no, my father was a longshoreman. They're very, they're brutal longshoreman. But, and I'm not going to say the word on your podcast, but uh, somebody passes away. <laughs> Wait, yeah, he crapped the bed. What? <laughs> I know that yeah. one. I know that one. I know yeah. the word you substituted, Steve. So, uh, wow. Yeah. He um, took a head. Of, how about this one, Jordan? Rather than saying he fell on the concrete and uh, got a concussion, he took a head. Of, yeah. <laughs> A head, uh, which is, sounds like the woman who does the Today Show, and that's Hoda. I mean, I mean, words float in my head, and I remember those days. I want now, to talk. When, when you were growing up in Randolph, yep. did they have street corners in Randolph? Oh, absolutely. God, yes. Okay, and so we when you were there. on the street corner, did you spit? That was the sign of being cool, right? Hucked a Louie. Hucked a Louie? A Louie, very good. A Louie. Uh, you know, we're really getting gross here, yeah. but. Louis was also known as a lunger. Uh, lunger. <laughs> yeah, and you hucked uh, it, right? You hucked it. Oh yeah, he hocked. He hocked. Or hocked. Hocked the lunger. Hocked the lunger. Oh my god. Um, and then uh, you know the game where you like hide and seek, and you go. I never, you know, the words. I thought the words were uh, something like "oli oli entry." You know, it's weird. It's like everything was bunched together in words. Yeah. It, it's as though if you elaborate on something, you're making yourself vulnerable if you actually pronounce the words, you know. I got to tell you, Steve, I've uh, been teaching a lot of years voiceover classes, and people always say, well, how do I get rid of my accent? And I tell them, you don't get rid of an accent. You build a new one. Does that Very make good. any sense to you? Does that make sense to somebody who does this kind of stuff so well? Oh, yeah. You know, that's actually good advice for me. You know, I just I did a movie in Thailand this year. It's going to be a really good movie. It's called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. It's a Vietnam War flick, and uh -huh. Peter Farrelly directed it. And the last movie directed won an Oscar, and they got a great cast, sure. Russell Crowe and uh, Bill Murray and Zac Efron, my scene is with. Anyway, long story short, Peter said, oh, yeah, Boston accent is okay. I mean, I've worked all these years not to have it, you know, but I've also made a living off having mm. it. So, yeah, that's great advice. Just build another <laughs> accent. And then, you know, I remember I went to graduate school in California, and I came back here, and I kind of lost the accent. And all, <laughs> This is so Boston. And all my friends said, oh, you're a phony. <laughs> you're a phony. You sure they didn't call you another P word at that point? <laughs> you're a phony. And, <laughs> and, and you're shocked when you're away from it because you come back, oh, that's super. You yeah, know, that's super. Wicked pissa, wicked pissa. That's super. Yeah. Please. Um, but, but I'll tell you what's interesting. Is this a podcast we're doing? Yeah, this is a podcast. You can say anything you All want. Right. Tell me anything. So, so I'm going to be able to use this word. We hit the word asshole, and then everybody, and you turn into the Kennedys. Asshole. He's going to an asshole. <laughs> ah, not that asshole. I don't be you. 
Language is very interesting, isn't it? It's fascinating, especially when you can work the language as you do on stage and, and apply these references. And I want to talk to you about a couple of things in the time we have. One is a great, great club that was legendary, the Ding Ho. Just barely old enough to drink, and I don't drink, but I had to go to the Ding Ho. Remind, yeah. us, remind us about that and why that's well, a magical know, that, place. That was a, a happy accident, and most successful comedy clubs are happy accidents. Because I'm, I'm going to digress here. Mm-hmm. People spend millions of dollars building comedy clubs, but the acoustics are too high. They, they don't have the feel. There's a, anyway, this place just had great, uh, you know, it was intimate, exposed brick. I have one now that I started called the Fox and Hounds in, in uh, Quincy. It's only holds 60 people, but I, I would go in there and I'd see like acapella groups and everything. And I said, now this is a perfect room for comedy because the sound will bounce off the walls. It's intimate. So that's what happened. This guy, Barry Cremens, found this Chinese restaurant and... Uh, we were just all new, and everybody had their own vision, and myself and Stephen Wright and Lenny and all the boys, and I had my own night there. And uh, there was one magic night. Peter Lasali from The Tonight Show came in, and the next Wednesday, I'll never forget it, or the next Friday, Stephen Wright was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and it was a historic Tonight Show because mm. Stephen so unique, and uh, he's he did fantastic and launched his career. And uh, there was a lot of magic moments there. It, it, you know, you can't, I, none of us, not one of my friends ever went into this as a business. Uh, I was an actor. I was out of work. I said, let me try it. I was doing a one-man show of Samuel Beckett. Mm. And then they started paying me for it. And, you know, when you talk about to different people in life, the same thing happened to them. They kind of, wasn't like a life plan, you know. It's not like it's it, it's a business, you know. And then you find out twenty years into it that it's a business, yeah. You know, but it, uh, we just did it for the love of it. That whole period and Barry's uh, contribution and all the guys that came out of that one club and. You talk about the Carson thing. There's a wonderful podcast on the Carson show behind the scenes, and they've interviewed so many people. I don't know if you've been on it yet, but one of the early guests was Stephen Wright, and he talked about that break, that major yeah. break. Um, I want to ask you about a couple things. I was working at WRKO back in 1980 or so when uh, a certain mayor in the city, uh, Mayor Kevin White, was parodied by you doing a brilliant impression, a really more oh, of a caricature, uh, yeah, Mr. Mayor and Jerry Williams, the legendary Jerry talk show Williams. host. So we would be sitting there and Jerry would say, you know, he, Jerry had the, his, it was the deal. You keep doing it until they catch on. <laughs> and you make them wonder, is it really the mayor? So I don't even know how I came up with it, really. But um, I just, so we said, all right, let's take calls as the mayor. And um, it was just wild because I would, I was so insulting and, how how you know, long did you did that happen, Steve? How many episodes? Oh my God! It, it, he couldn't say Mayor White. He said the mayor. But so the first time we did it, he says, "Okay, okay, Mr. Mayor." I'd say, "Yes." And I <laughs> up at City Hall, the, <laughs> the the switchboards were lighting because they thought the mayor was drunk. Because oh, I was so really like insulting, and the woman would call up and say, "You know that." 
we really, really need a basketball a court. You know, the, the rims. I don't care about you. Or the sh- I don't care about the shitty. Do I care so you can take care of it? And, you know, <laughs> people have. And, you know, after a while, people caught on, but it was uh, it was so much fun. And then I did I did Michael Dukakis, if you remember Michael Oh, Dukakis. yes. <laughs> I want to talk about jobs. I want to talk about issues, uh, you know, and my lovely wife, Kitty. And the fun of it was the interaction with the callers. And it was one time, I remember, I was playing a cab driver from Jamaica, and they were so angry at the, yeah that's right you forget all about it i take you from the airport you say you say marlboro i take you to marlboro no it's marlboro street yeah i take you to marlboro and the, you know radio is so much fun now are you still doing late nights still TV? not not late nights but i fill in for dan danny ray and uh he's he's how an come, old how come you how come I, you, you know what i gave it up after 21 years of having no weekends and no life and i decided oh, so i'm still doing dude. work at the station but i i shifted my gears a little bit so i could actually so i could go to see guys like you and stay up at night <laughs> oh my god but, but you had that wonderful audience and you know you you and larry click were the late night guys and Wonderful. So who's doing late night now? Well, you talk about radio morphing and changing. It's become so corporate, and they don't do any live talk anymore. The last guy to do it was Bradley Jay, who was an old WBCN jock, a great, great fella. And uh, it's it's a shame. It's it's a lost art, and it's not happening at the moment. I used to do uh, Larry Glick's show, and he had people that were like shut-ins, and he had his friend Muck, who was blind, and you know it was a nice thing for people to call up. Also, for guys like comedians and musicians, I mean, it's what you guys were listening to after you got off the gig. Oh, absolutely. I still do that. I, yeah. Dan, I, I listened to on the way home. And uh, BZ is a great place. I'm glad you're still working there a little bit. Yeah, still there. You with... do a great job, too. I used to listen to you. Oh, uh, thanks, absolutely. man. Thank you. I, I... Yeah, I, wouldn't, I, I couldn't get to sleep till maybe one thirty or 2. You get so wound up. I know, know I know. i got to ask you, this blew me away. I was looking at Facebook. I don't look at it very often, and I see a post from who else but Lenny Clark, your good buddy, and you're working with him all the time. And I'm thinking, oh, Lenny's in a movie, and it's involving doctors and paramedics. And all of a sudden, he's writing, I want to thank these guys for bringing me back to life. And then he was out skiing uh, the next day. What, what's up? What, what? I know he's crazy, but do you have no, any insight? No, he has this, uh, oh, what is it, heart fibrillations? Okay. Something like that. Is that the word? Something like that. That sounds right. Yeah, and they give you these jolts, and it brings you. He's got some kind of arrhythmia, something like that. But he, as far as I know, he's fine now, and he'll be great then. But <laughs> yeah, Lenny, uh, Lenny's just a sweet guy, you know. And um, oh, he's he's him. the best. I love him. And you know, I'll tell you a quick Lenny story that tells you how sweet he is, and, and you'll appreciate this. But I was so shocked to read it, and I'm thinking, this is not a joke, and yet he turned it into one, which is typical. I'll give you a quick Lenny story, uh, Steve. Many years ago, maybe 15 years ago, we were running an audition for a commercial for Boston Casting, and you know those guys, you work with them all the time. And there were 15, 20 guys in the waiting room here at the studio. Lenny came in, and you know, it's Lenny Clark. He was on Rescue Me at the time. He said, oh, no problem. I'll wait. I'll wait. He waited like for everybody else to go, and he didn't pull rank, which I always thought was just so typical and 
Very, very, you know, very I'll apropos. Tell you a very, very funny Lenny Clark story. He was in L.A. and he was auditioning. For, <laughs> he was auditioning for something, and this is just an audition. You know, you just come and you audition. And uh, Dick Cavett came. Oh. And he says to Dick Cavett, "Dick, didn't you save any of the money?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet Cabot appreciated it because he's, yeah, he's a, of course he did. a unique you know, we wit. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves, don't we? Let, that, that, a few more things, and that brings up the question of style. And you do these characters, but so much of it is ad lib. So much of it has to be right off yeah, the cuff. You gotta, you gotta, that's what keeps it fun for me. Apparently, I'm going to be working the rest of my life, so I might as well enjoy it. So every <laughs> time I go on stage, I enjoy it. And the audience enjoys it. So why would I ever give it up? You know, it's funny the because uh, I am at that age where people do retire. But I'll tell you, that COVID, that let me know about what makes me tick. And mm-hmm. I did not like not working. What was the first gig you'd, you've done coming back? And what did that, that must have felt amazing. Oh, my God. You know, it was an outdoors gig. I think it was up at Giggles. And uh, I was so rusty. And I I did all new material because I couldn't remember my act, hmm. you know. So that's a way. And it's a, it's, it's a very intangible thing, but you've got to keep getting up in front of an audience. It's an instinct, you know. It's, it's, it's totally difficult to explain. It's like you with radio. When you're used to not doing it, you know, you speak in two-minute bursts or four or whatever, and then you go back you realize you've got to fill in four hours. Mm. Oh, my God. It's different. But, Steve, you've done radio. You've done morning shows. Yeah. You've done podcasts. I filled do you... in for you one night, and I said, oh, my God, how the <laughs> heck does he do it? After three hours, I'm pleading with Gladys or whoever's on the line. No, no, you don't have to leave. Yeah, stay, Gladys. Laundry. How, <laughs> how do you do your laundry? You know? I mean, it's just question I was going to pose is not more, it's more of an observation. And I, I get that energy that I feed off of the audience and they yeah, feed me. Right. It has to, it has to be even triple that for a, a standup when you, when you're cooking and you know, they're with you. Yeah. When, when they're good and lately they have been very good because people have been cooped up and now they're dying to get out. They've been very appreciative. And the funny thing is I do this whole thing wherever I'm going to some stupid little place and and people, it's it's a joke to me, you know, but they, sometimes they take it serious. So I say, oh, well, you know, this is the height of my career being at the Chelmsford Elks. You know, I've dreamed of this my whole life. And I took the Tony Robbins motivational course, whatever. And then at the end of the show, they'll say to me, like, we'll say thank you for coming up. Like, they don't think I need <laughs> You know, I'm playing like I don't need, you know, to do yeah. it. But this is how I make my. I get paid for it. Yeah, you, know? you do get a wonderful feeling yeah. when people say to you, "You know, I've seen you twenty, thirty times, and I've seen you over the years." And you know, it's it's very humbling. It's nice. Ever been in a situation where, due to a storm or a power outage, uh, you still had to perform for eight people as opposed to eight hundred? Because that's happened to me. That ever happened yeah. to you? Oh yeah, the uh, I was up during the. When we were just coming back, I was up at a place in New Hampshire where we were all dying of work, and the comedians outnumbered the audience. There was like 
eight comedians and three people in the audience. And I said, it's really important that you guys laugh. Have, have a drink on me. You know, it's like, <laughs> if you suck, we suck. You know, whatever. But I've had so many crazy things over the years. I should write a, about it. Like, I remember one time I was working in a nursing home. And, you know, they don't have a lot of energy to it. You know, they're in a nursing home. Oh, yes, home. yes. And their mouths are drooling and whatever, and they got their pudding or their jello. And <laughs> So anyway, the woman up... <laughs> oh, my God. you got to laugh at your life. The woman up front, you know, I, I've been, I did Letterman. I have all this TV stuff I've done. She says, she kept saying through the whole time, get me a ginger ale. Get me a ginger ale. <laughs> I said, look, I would, I really would get you a ginger ale, but I'm doing a show here. I have to do this. Well, get me a ginger ale. Oh, God. And there's... Listen, buddy, I have to go right now, if you don't mind. No, 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 I don't mind at all. And I, I want to thank you for all the thank joy. Thank you, Jordan, because you've always been a great guy. I remember when you had a studio. I don't know if you still have one. I do I, indeed. I do indeed. I did some kind of commercial or something, and also... You've always been very gracious and very professional and great on the air. You know how to interview people. You let them talk. And everybody that's listening now, please keep listening to Jordan's podcast. Thank you to a sweet guy and a top-of-the-line comic, Steve Sweeney. Whenever you see him on the bill, wherever he's playing, get some tickets. You will thank me. He will make you laugh till it hurts. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Switch Media, to everyone at Chart Productions in Boston, producers of this and many other podcasts. And, of course, to you in so many countries and so many states, we appreciate the audience growing in numbers every single week. Till next time, this is JR, as always, saying be well so you can do good. Take care.